Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. And I want to teach you from this narrative in Scripture. And I want to follow up on what we talked about last week concerning uncertainty. Everybody say uncertainty. I've subtitled this this little two-part theme, what to do when you don't know what to do. How many of you think that might be helpful? I hope last week, if you were here, how many of you were here last week? Okay. I hope you took good notes. Okay. If you did not get a chance to listen to last week, go back online, pull up that message, and write some things down. Uh, Last week, we talked about basically the character and nature of God. You know, when times of uncertainty hit, we need to be reminded of who God is. Remember, we said, first of all, God is in charge. How many of you are thankful that he's in control? When it feels like the world is spinning out of control, I want you to know he's got the whole world in his hands. We said that God is in charge. We also said God does not change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, what I didn't give you was the third point. Anybody, anybody kind of missing that third point? Y'all not missing that third point? Y'all didn't realize you were taking notes last week, did you? Well, I was going to tell you this, didn't have a chance to unpack it, but we said, even though God does not change, the third thing is God is changing me. God is changing me. So he will use the change that happens around us to produce godly change inside of us. So that was last week. Today, I want to talk to you about how we respond, how we respond in times of uncertainty. Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse 22. Scripture says this, immediately after this, after what? Let me give you some context. What just happened? If you read the previous verses in Matthew 14, you'll discover that Jesus fed the 5,000. That's, in fact, that's the only miracle that Jesus performed that's recorded in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record the feeding of the 5,000. Now, to give you some context, in ancient days, they only counted the men. Sorry, ladies. You know, but they only counted the fellas. So Jesus fed 5,000 men. So if there were 5,000 men, then there's probably about 10,000 women there too, Right? And if there's 10,000 women, there's probably about 20,000 kids. Come on, talk to me. There's a big crowd on the hill that day. Jesus potentially fed 35,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. The Bible says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Now, I want you to highlight that, underline that in your Bible. He went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Verse 24, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. Anybody know anything about trouble? Anybody currently in a little trouble? Anybody know somebody in trouble? Don't point. Don't point right now. (laughs) Meanwhile, the disciples... We're in trouble 
far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Let me stop right here and give you this first thought, okay? I want to give you four, as we read through this narrative, four things that you need to remember and ways to respond in times of uncertainty. The first is this, number one, storms are coming. So don't be surprised. Storms are coming. Don't be surprised. Some of you are saying, well, pastor, can you be a little more positive today? Yes, I'm positive. Storms are coming. Don't be surprised. Now, sometimes we create our own storms, and then we blame God when it rains. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's getting quiet in this whole in this church up in here today. Sometimes we create the storms. Sometimes others cause storms for us. Sometimes storms just happen. You know, we see in this narrative the disciples are in a boat. They're far away from land. And the scripture says the storm has surrounded them. But I want you to notice the pattern of Jesus, okay? In the first couple of verses, where is Jesus in all of this? And notice what had just happened. He fed the multitudes. Now, listen, if I had performed a miracle of that nature, I wouldn't send the crowds away. I'd be like, hey, y'all, <laughs> y'all saw that? Hey, who's got a cell phone up in here? Somebody take my picture. I got to post this thing on social media. I want the world to, did you see what I, that was just a boy sack lunch and you saw how I multiplied. 12 baskets left over. Every disciple's got a basket. Jesus wasn't showboating about that. Notice what Jesus did. He sent the crowds away. He put the disciples in a boat and said, I want you to go to the other side of the lake. And what did Jesus do? He got with God. The Bible says there was a practice. And if you read the Gospels, you will see a pattern in the life of Christ. He is consistent in his pursuit of time with the Heavenly Father. Come on, somebody say secret place. You see, there's a secret place that the Scripture talks about that we have to go to. If you want power in public, then you've got to be intentional in private. If we want the power to impact the multitudes, and I believe God's placed men and women with influence. He's put gifts and talents and abilities inside of you. If you want to leave your mark on your generation, you will only have power in public to the direct relationship that you spend time with God secretly in private. There was a pattern here. There was intentional. This was by design. Look at what Jesus is doing in spending time with God. There was something dynamic about what Jesus walked in because time and time again, he was hiding himself with the Lord. You know, we've, we've got to hide and seek before we show and tell. Got a lot of showing and telling these days, don't we? Take out your cell phone and you can just scroll. Everybody's showing and telling. (laughs) I wonder who's hiding and seeking. You you see, there's there's a reason why I wanted to start here. We, We know where this story is going, and it's very familiar. There are some supernatural things that are about to happen. But I think the key that unlocks the supernatural is in our consistent time invested with the Lord. Studies have revealed that in times of crisis, people revert to habit. In times of crisis, when a crisis hits and you don't know what to do, you go to your go-to. 
whatever your automatic thing, the things that you do consistently, you revert to habit. Can I tell you this? Sometimes habits work for you, and other times they work against you. How many of you got some habits that you're trying to break? Oh, man, I can't believe it. Why do I always say that? Oh, why do I always do that? Oh, man, that's, man, I got to break that habit. But then some of us need to form some holy habits, some consistencies, you know, some repetitions. You know, early on, when I got out of college, got married, and then I knew, okay, I got to stay active. I got to stay active. Okay, I got to go work out. I got to go to the gym. I got to take stewardship of my body. And so I made a decision early on that I was going to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm an early morning guy, okay? Not because I want to, but because I have to. I felt like if I worked out in the middle of the day, I'm robbing from time at work. If I work out in the evening, I'm robbing from my family. What's the best way to work? Okay, I've got to make the sacrifice, and I'll get up while everybody's asleep. So I set my alarm and I, when I go to bed, I've already made the decision. I'm going to the gym in the morning. The, the bag is already packed. I don't wait until the alarm goes off to see how I feel. Oh, come on now. You're not hearing me. How many of those feelings don't create good habits? Decisions do. And so when the alarm goes off, man, I, I know where I'm going. I'm headed to the gym. It's my go-to at 5 o'clock. Now, do you know, here I am. I'm 47 years old. I don't even have to set my alarm anymore. Is that a sign of old age? My body is waking me up at 4.30 saying, it's time to get going. I'm like, why? Have you ever struggled trying to sleep in? You're like, you know what, I'm going to sleep in. I don't have anything to do. It's Saturday. Tomorrow morning Saturday. I'm going to sleep in. And your body wakes you up like it's Monday morning. Why? Because you've created a habit. Come on, somebody. In times of crisis, we revert to habit. And part of my responsibility as your pastor is to help you build good, healthy habits. You know why? Because storms are coming. Don't be surprised, storms are coming. Sometimes they're in the forecast, and sometimes they come out of nowhere. Sometimes it's just a doctor's visit. It's a phone call. It's a, it's a report from a counselor. You know, crisis will hit you unannounced. And when it sets in on you, more often than not, you will revert to habit. You know, last month, we recognized the 20-year anniversary of 9-11, and many of you know exactly where you were when you first heard the news of the terrorist attacks on America. I remember in the, in the aftermath of 9-11, I was watching a news piece, and a reporter was at Fort Polk, Louisiana. And they actually did an interview with, with one, of the, one of the guys, one of the soldiers at Fort Polk, because these soldiers were preparing to deploy to Afghanistan. And I'll never forget the statement that this guy made. He said this. He said, the more you sweat in peacetime, the less you bleed in war. The more you sweat in peacetime, the less you bleed in war. What was he saying? He was saying training and practice and repetition. These patterns are so important because when we get into the battlefield, look, I, I want to pay the price up front. I, I, I want to pay the price in prayer up front. You see, listen, if the only time that we pray is when we're in trouble, we're in trouble already. Come on, turn your neighbor and say, that's good preaching right there. Woo! 
You see, spiritual disciplines will prepare you for crisis. You say, Mike, what are you talking about, spiritual discipline? I'm just talking about the fundamentals of our faith. You know, we talk about the one-year Bible here. I love that. Uh, Just 15, 20 minutes a day in God's word every single day gets you from Genesis to Revelation. We do daily devotionals. We post these things online. What are we trying to do? Help you build a rhythm, a pattern of spiritual discipline. We do worship nights like we did this past Wednesday night. How many of you were here this past Wednesday? Was that fun or what? Man, these kids jumping around, running and dancing. God, those kids were smelly. And I was all up in it. I'm like, bless God, I don't care. They're not going to out-worship me, bless God. I work out at 5 o'clock every morning. Man, I've been, I've been nursing a ham. I think I pulled a hammy in worship on Wednesday night. Prayer, solitude, uh, seeking God, worship, all these things are practices that have to be built in. You see, we hope to rise to the occasion when a crisis hits. But we don't rise to the occasion, we fall to the level of our preparation. Jesus established a pattern of seeking God. Now notice what happens here, verse 25. About three o'clock in the morning, the Bible says the disciples are in a boat, storms all around. Three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. How many know sometimes it's hard to recognize Jesus in the middle of a storm? Some of you have a hard time discerning the the presence of God because things are crazy and chaotic all around you. Jesus is walking to them on the water. They think he's a ghost, verse 27. But Jesus spoke to them at once. And what did he say? Don't be afraid. Take courage for I am here. Somebody say, I am here. Number two, fear is common, but choose to be courageous. Fear is common. It's normal to be afraid. If you're a disciple in the boat, the storm is around you. You see a figure walking to you. How many of you might be a little scared too? Okay, now don't be all religious up in here. Yeah, in times of uncertainty, fear is the common response, but choose to be courageous. Can I tell you something about courage? Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is being afraid, but going anyway. It's moving forward in spite of your fear. Now notice, this is kind of crazy. I thought about this. Who was it that told him to get in the boat and go to the other side? Jesus. Don't you think he knew the storm was out there? How many know Jesus is never caught by surprise? You mean to tell me that Jesus would put you right in the middle of a storm? Well, Mike, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I thought you said God is good. Yes, he is good. And in his goodness, sometimes his best shows up in your worst moments. Sometimes he will allow storms to happen, and he'll put you right in the middle of the storm. Now, notice what he does. He shows up in it. He didn't speak to it. He just showed up in it. There he is standing there, walking on. If I'm one of the disciples, I'm like, Lord, don't just stand there. Do something. He's just standing there. Hey, guys, I'm here. Can I tell you this? Let me ask you this question. Is the presence of Jesus enough in your storm? 
You see, sometimes he calms the storm, but sometimes he calms his child and he lets the storm rage. He says, I am here. Here's the significance of that. Some of you Bible scholars remember in Exodus chapter 3, whenever God spoke to Moses through that burning bush, and he says, I want you to go confront Pharaoh, and you tell him to let my people go. Moses was like, I can't talk. I stutter. And who am I going to say that it sent me? And God said, you tell him that I am that I am. You say, Mike, well, that's kind of weird. What does that mean? I am that I am. In other words, God was saying, Moses, whatever you need, that's who I am. Jesus is using the same language now thousands of years later saying, I am here. In other words, if you're afraid and you need peace, that's who Jesus is to you. If you're confused and you need clarity, Jesus has a little bit of that to help you. If you feel hopeless and helpless, the I am, what is it that you need? Jesus has everything that you need to help you do what he's called you to do. Are you catching this? Now, let me kind of flip this on its side a little bit because there's something valuable within the context of fear, okay? There's an opportunity for growth. Every time you and I bump into fear, there's a, there's a kingdom opportunity for us to grow. In fact, I'll say it this way, that fear and growth go together like red beans and rice. Come on. Fear and growth go together like mac and cheese. Come on, talk to me. How many know you can't have the mac without the cheese? Like peanut butter and jelly, like biscuits and gravy. What else do I need to say? Anybody getting hungry here? Fear and growth go together. Every time your life bumps into fear, there's a kingdom opportunity for you to grow. I remember when the kids were small and we took them to Disney. In fact, I think this was maybe before Trevor was even born. I don't know. He he may have been one or two. And your kids are so different. I marvel sometimes at how different my children are. Raised in the same home. You know, they draw from the same gene pool. They're taught the same values you know, raised in the same church, and just their personalities are totally different. My oldest, she's a a thrill seeker. You know, she loves all the crazy, scary, man. She's adventurous. But my middle, Michaela, at that time, she, she was my little princess. She liked all the parades. She didn't like the scary rides. And so that whole, that whole trip was me trying to encourage her to conquer her fears. She'd say, Dad, is this ride safe? I'm like, well, of course it is. Well, why do they call it the Tower of Terror? Oh, don't worry about that. You just free fall for like, you know, seven, eight, ten stories, but it's safe. And so I found this, this little pattern developing. She was afraid. I would encourage her. She stepped forward in spite of her fears, and then she'd get off the ride and say, that was my favorite ride ever. So we were like dominating Disney on this trip, and we had conquered all the crazy rides except for one, the rock and roller coaster. And that line, I said, babe, we got to. We've done them all now. Look, look how strong you are. Look how, you're such a bigger, you're just an adventurous. Come, let's conquer the rock and roller coaster. Two and a half hours, we were in line. We were behind this father's son, and by the time we got up, we were the next one. They seated this father and son. The son was probably the same age as Michaela was. He had a panic attack, and just, they had to escort them off the ride, and they put Michaela and I in their seats. And she's like, Dad, are you, are you sure about this? I'm like, baby, trust me. Famous last words, right? Does this ride turn us upside down? I'm like, I don't think so. 
They put that harness over it. They clicked us in. We, I didn't realize that we, when, you, when you start that ride, you go from like zero to 60 in like two seconds, right? I mean, immediately, it's like these Charlie Brown tears. She's crying. She's screaming, all right? Tears flying out the side of her face, and, and I'm trying to comfort her. It's okay. No, baby, are you all right? And so two and a half minutes of loops and G-forces and men pressure, and we pull into the landing dock, and we get out, and she's like, Daddy, how could you? Oh, man. I'm thinking, I don't know. How, how did I? She's okay. Six years of counseling, and it's been, it's, I'm, she's better now. She's a bit better now. But can I tell you this? Sometimes God will put you in circumstances that are bigger than you. And you will have to move forward in spite of your fear. Come on. You may have to do it afraid, but watch this. You'll never have to do it alone. The storm is raging all around him. Jesus shows up in the middle. He doesn't do anything. He just says, I'm here. Can I tell you, the presence of the Lord is with you, whatever storm you find yourself in. They may come and they may go, but the presence of the Lord will never depart. Take comfort in him being with you. He says, I am here. Now, this whole story hinges on the next two verses. Watch this. Verse 28, then Peter calls to Jesus. I love Peter. Of all the disciples, he's my favorite. Oh, man, he had to be a redhead. I'm telling you, watch what's fixing to come out of his mouth. He says, Lord, if it's really you, then tell me to come to you walking on the water. <laughs> I thought, wow, if that's me, I'm saying, Lord, if it's really you, Come get in this boat with me. <laughs> Notice what Jesus says, verse 29. Yes, come on, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. Somebody say that's a big deal. Here's the third thing I want you to notice. Number three, the supernatural is all around you, but you got to get out the boats. The supernatural is waiting for you to discover, but you can't walk on water until you first get out of the boat. What's amazing to me is look who initiated this opportunity. It was Peter. Sometimes we read this and we think that Jesus called Peter out, but really it was Peter's idea. Lord, if it's you, tell me to get out of this boat and just come walking to you. How many of you have friends like that in, in your life? And you're like, would you just sit down? You're about to drown all of us. Don't try to be a hero in this, Peter. How many of you have friends that are really ambitious? Okay, I've got a, a, a theory because I went to school with some guys in college. Here's what I've learned. They taught me this, that when enthusiasm is greater than ability, it equals injury. Come on, how many of you have a couple people like that in your life? Great enthusiasm, but no ability whatsoever, and somebody's going to get hurt. Oh, yeah, I had friends that would literally, on the rooftop, they would jump off the roof, onto the trampoline, into the swimming pool. I'm like, great enthusiasm, no ability. 
you fixing to go to the hospital. You know, like when you were kids, you ever played like dodge brick? Y'all never played dodge brick? Where y'all from? We played dodge brick where I grew up. Not dodge ball, dodge brick. Hey, throw that brick at me and see if I can get out of the way. <laughs> throw it right at my head. I won't even look. I'll just listen for the wind. <laughs> That's a painful game. <laughs> Enthusiasm greater than ability. <laughs> it equals injury. <laughs> what do we tell? What does our mom always tell us before we drive out of the driveway? Yeah, be careful. Son, be careful. Be careful. <laughs> mama told me that my whole life. Be careful, boy. Just one time I would have loved to heard my mama say, son, drive fast and take chances. <laughs> Cut people off, sweet pea. <laughs> Use your road rage if you have to. <laughs> Listen, sometimes as a church, we're being so careful. Watch this that we're just going to stay right in the boat. Now, that's fine if Jesus is in the boat, but if Jesus is on the water, that boat's not doing you any good. Some of us cling to what's safe. Can I tell you, if you're going to play it safe, it will never produce God's best in you. Where is the supernatural? I have people say, Mike, where, where are all the miracles? You know, why don't we see more miracles? I, I think the reason why we don't see more, more miracles is because we don't even put ourselves in position to receive one. If you're in the boat, you don't need a miracle. Where does the supernatural happen? You got to step out of what's comfortable and you got to get into the impossible. And, and God is calling us as a church, don't play it safe. Don't cling to what you, what, what, what's secure. Cling to me and me alone. It's like the, the, the instinctively, God created nature in a way. He designed nature. You, you see this pattern in nature. And I thought, Lord, uh, it, it needs to happen in, in the spirit. You see this mother eagle, she's got these little eggs in her nest. And, and it's, it's amazing how God created this mama eagle. Before these little eaglets are hatched, she will line the bedding of her nest with leaves and grass and soft things, preparing for their arrival. And they hatch, and, man, they got this comfort, and, man, they're, they're cared for, and mama takes care of them. But there comes a time when that mom instinctively knows that these little eaglets got to grow up. And they got to get out of the nest. But they're not going to get out of the nest as long as it's soft and plush and comfortable. So this mother eagle will remove all of the grass and all of the leaves. And you know what she puts in the bedding of that nest? Rocks and sticks and sharp objects. What's she trying to do? Create an environment that's uncomfortable. Because as long as they're comfortable, they're never going to learn how to fly. But unless they get forced out of the nest... Mama's got to force them out of the nest. Then they learn how to spread their wings. Come on, are you catching this? Sometimes God allows uncomfortable circumstances to happen in our lives because he's trying to get us out of the nest. As your pastor, sometimes I got to preach in a way that makes you uncomfortable because if you stay comfortable, you'll never reach your full potential. Can I have a better Amen. Thank God for his spirit that challenges us and moves us out of what's safe and predictable and routine. <laughs> I grew up with, and I know you probably did too, mama would say these words to us, 
all the time. But sometimes I think, you know, we've developed a theology around safety, you know, almost around mediocrity. Mama would say things like this, you can't have your cake and, yeah, your mama told you the same thing, right? What about this? If it looks too good to be true, probably is. If it can go wrong, what goes up? Look before you, leave well enough, uh, let sleeping dogs, keep both feet on, keep your head above, don't count your chickens, don't bite off more. Yet, did you hear that? Listen to that. You grew up hearing that your whole life. I think all of life is designed to keep us mediocre, but God is telling his church, get out the boat. Get out the boat. If you want to see the supernatural, you got to hear the voice of Jesus saying, come on, I'm here. You see, Peter does something in that moment that rocks all those disciples. Uh, Stop thinking that you're going to change without taking risks. God grows us through pain. You know, every time we hear the voice of Jesus and we get out of the boat, we're likely to hear that voice again. But every time we hear that voice and we stay in the boat, the less likely we're, we're going to hear Jesus calling us out. How many of you want to see the supernatural? If you want something that you've never had, you got to do something you've never done. Let me finish this. Verse 30. But when Peter sees the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Verse 31. Jesus immediately reached down and grabbed him. And he says, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Peter, you were doing just fine. Man, you, yeah, you were walking in an unknown realm doing something you'd never done, but I was with you. What happened? You were doing so well. Why did you doubt me? Verse 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Jesus didn't even speak to the wind. Think about that. Crazy storm, this wild episode, Peter begins to sink. Jesus rescues him, gets back into the boat, and the, the sea is like glass. It is so still. Verse 33, the disciples worshiped him then, and they said, you really are the son of God. Oh, really? Just now? You didn't see the feeding of like the 35,000 before? And now, now, okay, Jesus, we we, we believe you now. Uh, Let me finish with this. I think this is super important. Don't miss this. Distractions can be dangerous. Distractions can be dangerous. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay focused on him. Don't let the storm distract you. Uh, Don't let, let, let me say it this way. Don't let the craziness of our culture distract you. Don't let politics distract you. Don't let this fear mongering distract you. Don't let media outlets Watch this. Don't take the bait of media outlets that make you think you're supposed to hate somebody else. (laughs) 
We live in such a divisive culture. And I think the media jumps on that. And they, they, they want to create such division and strife. The left is supposed to hate the right, and the right is supposed to hate the left. And, man, we're just mortal enemies. It's like Jesus said, wait a second, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What? Don't take the bait of hate. You're just being distracted. Don't allow the pandemic to distract you from the kingdom. Masks and vaccines and mandates and, and this new order and what this one says. Hey, whoa, 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 wait. What's the pattern here? What's the pattern? Okay, crowds going home. Disciples get in a boat. I got to get on my face because I need the presence of Almighty God. Distractions can be dangerous. Keep our eyes on the prize. Because some days you're walking on water. Some days you're sinking. But I want you to know this. Even when the waves are over your head, they're still under Jesus' feet. Some of you are here today and you feel like you're drowning. Here, I want to pray for people. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Some of you are here today and you feel like you're drowning. You were doing so good. And you had rhythm. You were focused. Good things were happening. And now all you feel is this pull taking you under. Can I tell you, Jesus is reaching out right now. Jesus is. If you'll just look up, he's right here to rescue you and to pull you back to him. Amen. Do you receive that? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.